Please stand as you're able for the gospel acclamation. gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. Peter went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They said to him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fatten, fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy God, help us to accept the realities of what it means to follow you, including an unbowed hope in your resurrection abundant life. In your name we pray, amen. Well, this morning there's good news and there's bad news. Which would you like to hear first? The good or the bad? The bad news. Okay, we'll start off with the bad news. Following Jesus leads to suffering and death. Want the good news now? <laughs> yes, me too. The good news is that following Jesus leads to resurrection and abundant and eternal life. Take Peter, for example. Jesus told Peter, after the fish had been hauled in that morning. When you were younger, you got to choose where you went and what you did. When you get older and you follow me, you won't get to decide where you go, and someone will basically crucify you like they crucified me. Or if you take Paul, for example. Paul, who was persecuting the church, Jesus blinded him, and then he said to Ananias, Paul's going to have to learn how much he must suffer for me. So that's the bad news. You know, but it's not all bad. As I said, there is resurrection and abundant eternal life. Our good friend, Connie Wolf, who was a camp director when Sherry and I met 22 summers ago, Connie's favorite verse that she taught us was John 10.10. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life means the highs and the lows. Sometimes half empty, sometimes half full, but overflowing with God's love. Now, we all have a choice to make in life. We have lots of choices. One of the choices that we have is to not follow Jesus. That is the choice that Peter made at the time that Jesus was crucified. If you remember, when Jesus was arrested, they came up and they asked uh, Peter later, they said, do you know Jesus? And what did Peter say? 
No, he denied it. Not just one time, but how many times did he deny Jesus? Three times. Why would he do such a thing? Well, I think we know why. Peter denied Jesus because he was trying to save his own skin. Jesus was going to die. And by denying his association with Jesus, he was preventing himself to also be arrested and suffer. The problem is, once he denies Jesus, he saves himself from the suffering, but he also prevents himself from experiencing the abundant life of following Jesus. I can imagine Peter in the upper room, the upper room in Jerusalem, after Jesus had been crucified. And Jesus had paid them two visits in the upper room. They were locked inside there. You can imagine Peter holding his head, pacing back and forth, feeling crazy, cooped in that room, caged like a rat. Well, he, had, he hadn't stooped that low. He wasn't the rat like Judas. But he did feel like a coward. I can imagine Peter, who was a fisherman, who we know was rough around the edges. I can imagine him maybe even uttering a few expletives in the upper room, trying to figure out what is he going to do next? How could this have happened? Where is he going to go? I can imagine that some of the disciples have already dispersed. Maybe there's not 11 there. Maybe a few have gone their separate ways. But the rest are sitting there watching Peter pace back and forth, wondering what he's going to do next. And then Peter stops mid-stride, and he starts to laugh. And he laughs, and he feels relieved, and he realizes exactly what he needs to do. He's going to go fishing. And he says it out loud. He says, I'm going to go back to the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, and I'm going to go fishing. It seemed like the perfect idea. He could get away from Jerusalem, get away from the mob of people that were out to get them. They could have peace and quiet on the lake. I mean, who doesn't like to go fishing and relax? They could catch a few fish, make a little life for themselves. You know, it's very likely that Peter was married. We read a story about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. So he thinks, I'll go back, I'll live a simple life as a family man, and it'll be great. And so, depending on how you count it, six or seven of the disciples go with Peter. And there they go, out on the lake, fishing all night. But how does it go? Do they catch a lot of fish? No, they're catching nothing. The opposite of ab abundant life. Yeah, it's peaceful. Yeah, it's quiet, but it's so peaceful and quiet that there's not joy, there's not sorrow, it's just numb. And then I can imagine Peter speaking to himself 
on the boat in the darkness, thinking to himself, Jesus, how could he have done this? He gets himself killed. We're all toast. They want us dead too. And then he shows up resurrected, walking through walls, feeling solid himself. He calls me the rock. I think he was the rock. Peter says, did you feel his hands like Thomas? They were so strong, strange, bizarre, unnatural. And then he breathes on us. He tells us to go and forgive. Well, no surprise there. It sounds like something Jesus would say. But then he's gone. And what am I supposed to do now? I don't get it. Peter would have said something like that to himself and the other disciples. There they are in the boat, no fish. Have you ever had a great idea like Peter and it ended up to be a dead end? I know I have. In some ways, you know, we're all scientists. We all have experiments that we do in our life. What will happen if I do this course of behavior? Sometimes the results are really bad. Peter's experiment is a fishing experiment, and the results are that now he's not a very good fisherman at all. It doesn't seem like this is going to be a good life for him. That's a similar kind of experiment that happened to Paul. Paul was going and trying to persecute new Christians not too long after this, and he goes blind because of it. So there's Peter, realizing that his fishing experiment is a bust. His heart is sinking in his chest, and he's getting back to that same feeling of despair that he had in the upper room, feeling trapped and locked in, not knowing what to do next. And as Peter and the disciples were in the darkness... And you know, it's always coldest and darkest just before dawn. Even though it's cold, the sky begins to brighten in the east over the lake. And they slowly begin to row to shore. Peter is practically asleep. He hears the disciples mumbling. And he feels the boat begin to rock. They're talking to someone, and he doesn't care who they're talking to. And he feels them throw the net overboard, even though they're close to shore. He doesn't understand at all, and he doesn't care. He's dead tired. He feels numb. And then the boat begins to rock even more. The talking turns into yelling. All of a sudden, they're pulling fish into the boat, And one of the disciples says, it's Jesus. Peter looks up to the shore. He sees a fire burning. He sees the outline of a man, and indeed it looks like Jesus. He puts his clothing on really quick, and he jumps out of the boat, and he begins to swim to shore to see Jesus. Now, some people have questioned, why was Peter naked in the boat? It's okay to giggle. It's kind of a weird verse. What's going on there is a symbol of our baptism. We stand before God 
completely vulnerable. God sees all of our sin and our imperfection. And in the waters of baptism, God clothes us with righteousness. And in that moment, Jesus forgives Peter his sins of denying him through remembering his baptism in those waters and being clothed anew. Peter swims to shore, and then him and Jesus have their little chat. The three questions. Do you love me? Forming a symmetry with the three times that Peter denied Jesus at the time of his death. This is another example of Jesus' confrontational nature. Not in a mean way, in a very gentle way, Jesus confronts and addresses the thing that is separating them. But what's really interesting about Jesus inviting Peter into repentance is that repentance isn't what we think it is. When you in your own life think that God is calling to you to repent, you might think that it's a 180 degree turn. You might think that if you have some kind of a bad habit, that what you need to do is not do it. I got to do the opposite of this bad habit. In the case of Peter, I got to be very careful that I never deny Jesus again. But that's not what Jesus asks him to do. It's more of a 90 degree turn. He says to Peter each time, if you love me, then care for my sheep or lambs. Feed them, tend them, care for them. You can imagine that as Peter and Jesus are having this heart-to-heart -heart discussion by the fire, having finished eating breakfast, to the side are the disciples, those who have remained. Jesus is telling Peter, if you love me, care for them. They need a pastor. They need someone to lead them. This is the moment when Jesus takes the mantle and he gives it to Peter, saying, it's your turn. You are now the shepherd. This is Peter's ordination, his consecration, his call to ministry. Similarly to how a few years later Jesus would call Paul, as we read in Acts this morning. Thank you for reading, Debbie. And then Jesus goes on to explain to Peter how he would die. You will be led away and you will be crucified like me. That's the bad news. Same thing Jesus told to Paul. You have no idea how much you will suffer. But just as Peter's mind begins to wrap itself around this thing, this thing really that he's been afraid of all along. Before his heart can sink into despair, once again he sees the disciples, and he sees them laughing. 
laughing, joking around, having fun, looking at the 153 fish that they had caught. The abundance, the breakfast, the grace of God. And it makes us think about our reading from Revelation that says the lamb who was slain has begun his reign. What we sing during our offering hymn. That even though there is suffering, there is more abundance and resurrection life beyond it. Better and far greater than we can ever imagine. Peter's stone heart melts when he sees the disciples and the fish, when Jesus encourages him to step forward, and he laughs. And finally, he feels again. He feels the sun on his skin. He feels the joy of the water, and he feels the absolute bliss of continuing the path that the Lord has laid for him. Now this morning, when we welcome our new members into membership here, my prayer is that you would have the same joy in your life as you join this company of disciples and ministers of the gospel, recognizing that there will be challenges, but there will be abundant joy far greater than we could ever imagine. Amen. We sing our hymn of the day, Alabare.